Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. I've been friends with three women since we were each 12 years old. We grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, but we've gone traveling on girlfriend trips almost every year. We planned a special trip to England and Scotland as we each reached 50 years old. In the summer of 2006, we flew to London. We toured London for several days, followed by trips to Bath, Stratford, and Avon, and then spent several days in Scotland. From Edinburgh, we took a taxi to Borthwick Castle. We arrived in the early afternoon on June 26th. There were beautiful blue skies, and we wore lightweight jackets and jeans. My friends who went with me on this trip were not believers, but after their experiences there, they are now believers. Throughout my life, even as a young girl, I've believed in spirits. I'm a very intuitive person anyway. I pick up on different things and I've gotten gut feelings since I was really small. I guess I'd like to be considered normal, so I didn't tell my friends anything about my earlier experiences. We really didn't know a whole lot about the castle. It's one of the few castles that have been made into a bed and breakfast. The castle is actually a fortress with two towers side by side. It was there to protect the family who lived in it. Most of the castles in the British Isles are in the cities. But this is one where you have to drive through the countryside to see it. It's towering, being situated on a hill, and the feeling is just a little bit eerie. But I didn't have any spooky sensations when we first arrived. We were all excited that we were going to stay in a castle. When we walked into the castle with our luggage, the keeper of the castle met us at her floor-level check-in desk. She took us up a spiral concrete staircase to our rooms. Two of us stayed in a room lower off the spiral staircase and the other two had rooms a little higher up. The castle keeper was a thin, tall woman who was wearing a plain black dress. She had big, thick black shoes. She was serious and spoke in a monotone voice, reminding me of a female version of Lurch from the Addams Family TV show. She had what seemed to us odd mannerisms. Very matter-of-fact. Her face was hollow and plain. No personality characteristics whatsoever were evident from her demeanor. We dropped off our luggage on the way up at the room where I was going to spend the night with my friend Julie. Our room had a few windows and two twin beds. Then we continued, dragging our friend's luggage up quite a few steps to a landing. We walked out to the landing, which had a view over the Great Hall. The Great Hall had a fireplace at the far end, some furniture, and also a dining room table. I took some pictures of the Great Hall looking down from the landing. I had a brand new digital camera. The camera had automatic light adjustment and a stabilizer against movement. The shutter locks automatically to prevent blurring when you depress the shutter button. We took pictures of the beautiful stone fireplace. The dining room table was partially set. I took a few photos using a zoom. It was about 30 feet from us to the fireplace. Absolutely nobody was in view in that room at the time the picture was taken. Later we saw in the photo that there was a family with mom and dad and older children. Their daughters were in their early 20s, I would guess. There were no young children at the castle at the time. Then we went back up the spiral staircase. There was another landing at the very top floor of the castle. We saw a room which was turned into a wedding chapel with pews. The Tacta-Turn Castle Keeper told us a bit of a gruesome history about the two castle towers. 
The castle had once held many prisoners who were shackled in balls and chains. Occasionally, they would take the prisoners up to an open window which had a view of the other tower just ten feet away. They told the prisoners, If you can jump from this tower to the other, then we will set you free. Well, none of them ever made it. But the bizarre thing was, as we arrived to the second landing, I was overwhelmed by a terrible and powerful smell. I thought I was going to lose everything I had in my stomach. It was so overwhelming that I took the top of my shirt sleeve and put it over my nose and mouth. I exclaimed, my gosh, it smells horrible up here. One of my friends looked unconcerned and she replied, oh Deborah, it's just musty, it's an old castle. I can't explain the smell I experienced in that moment. I've never smelt anything like that, before or since. The girls laughed at me as I tried to tell them that there was something not right about that room, but they dismissed my concerns. I was glad to move out of there, ducking under a low doorway to go to our friend's upstairs room. Most of the door entrances were very low as a defensive feature. Any intruders would have to bend their head and neck down to enter a room, thus exposing themselves to a descending sword. We went into their room. They had a queen-size canopy bed. We dropped off their things and then we went back down the staircase. When we'd come up to the castle grounds in our taxi, outside of the castle there was a pretty stone abbey and a graveyard. Now, we walked down to ask the castle keeper if we could go into the abbey. She told us that we could walk outside down the gravel path and that we would need a key to enter the chapel. We had other questions too asking if the castle furnishings were authentic. We asked, what's the inside of the abbey like? And with a monotone answer, she said, I've never been in the abbey. I was thinking, why hasn't this lady ever been in the abbey? We exchanged looks trying to process her comment, finding it incredible that she had never been inside of it. Then, with the key in hand, we went outside to the abbey. I have a fascination with cemeteries. So first we went into the abbey. We all are religiously minded and prayful women and have a strong belief in God and we visited a lot of abbeys when we were in Europe. We saw the abbeys in Manchester and Bath. We would always light a candle for Julie's son who was serving in Iraq. We said our prayer for Zach and one of us whispered, why would she have not been in here? Then we walked to the graveyard to learn about some of the history of the people who were buried there. We came back in the castle to dress for dinner. I was concerned about friends Jerry and Sheila having to walk past the landing where I had noticed the terrible stench. It was worse than rot, and it was more than just a smell. All my senses were engaged. It scared me. It intimidated me something bad. There was a negative energy to that smell. We changed and we went to the great hall to have dinner with the other guests. One couple was from Britain and the family of four was from America. The one daughter was very scared. She was drinking like crazy. It seemed like she really wanted to get out of there. She and her sister were staying in the Red Room. That room had been written up in the book of England's haunted castles. The previous owners had utilized an exorcist to get rid of the ghost in that Red Room. The story goes that centuries ago, a servant girl gave birth to an illegitimate child in that room. And from what I recall, the father of the baby was a man of title, so this was a disgrace. Both the mother and the baby were murdered. 
put to the sword. I can't stay here, the one daughter exclaimed. The young lady was shaken, and I heard nervous laughter. We looked at Julie, thinking, what did you do getting us to stay here overnight? She had made the reservations for our stay in Borthwick Castle. The castle keeper, who I thought of as Miss Lurch, came to hand us our menus. After she took our order, she told us, entertainment will start in ten minutes. Then she turned around and walked away. There were no other waiters that night in the castle. The next thing we knew, there was Miss Lurch up on the landing. We all stopped talking and she said in a very serious voice, and now I will play for you. She had a flute and began to play a tune which was unknown to me. We were literally biting the inside of our cheeks to keep from laughing out loud. After she played the flute, she disappeared from the landing and later brought our dinner. We ate dinner and the one young woman just kept drinking. After our meal, it was then dark and the only light in the great hall was from the fireplace and from the candles. The keeper asked us all, would anyone like to see the dungeon? Well, the young lady and two of my friends declined, but I was then unafraid, so I said, we'd love to see the dungeon. So off I went with the castle keeper and Julie. We walked down the very narrow, straight, concrete, whitewashed steps into the dungeon. It turned out it was only the wine cellar. We heard a couple of stories from the keeper, and then it was about 9.30, with lights out as the keeper headed off to bed. We went to our rooms, and we went all the way to Sheila and Jerry's room, passing that wedding chapel with the horrible smell. Their room didn't have that wretched smell. We talked and made sure that everyone was okay. Sheila is literally afraid of the dark, and even as an adult, she has to sleep with the light on. I kept asking, Sheila, are you sure that you're all right? And she said, I'm fine. We left, walking back down the spiral staircase. I couldn't help but to nearly gag from the stench as we walked past the upstairs chapel. I associated the smell with darkness, fear, and evil. Julie said, just knock it off. It's just an old musty castle smell. We got into bed, and then it happened. There was a banging noise, two or three seconds apart. It was unbelievably loud like something was hitting the castle walls. Of course, I sat straight up in bed. I said, Julie, do you hear that? She reeled over to make a dry comment. It's probably somebody having sex. But this sound, which echoed through the entire castle and went on all night, was not humanly possible. The sound would not stop. Bam, bam, bam. That sound went on for most of the night. I was really afraid, so I used the in-house phone to call my upstairs friends. Sheila answered, and I immediately asked her, Are you guys okay? She said, We're fine. We're okay. Are you scared? Yes. I could barely breathe the words into the phone. I added, I think it's a good idea if you guys come down here and stay with us. Well, Sheila didn't see how that would work for them, saying, But you have twin beds. I insisted, Desperate for more company, it's okay, they're big beds. But they really didn't want to leave the comfort of their big, comfy canopy bed. Sheila declined. No, you come up here. But I could not go up there. I couldn't go out there with that terrible noise, that horrible smell, and the creepy feeling pervading the entire castle. We had been friends for 38 years, but now I was really afraid. I hung up 
turning my attention to Julie. In our dark bedroom, I told her, Julie, that sound, it's not what you think it is. So she offered to calm my ears, saying, Deborah, do you want to get in bed with me? Now, Julie's about 4'11 and weighs about 90 pounds, so there was still room in her bed for me. I popped in bed with her and pulled up the covers. That helped me make it through the night to be closer to someone. But the awesome banging kept on shattering the darkness with a fearful sound. The castle walls were 20 feet thick at their base and 14 feet thick at the upper stories. The other guests were not really in an adjacent room, so there was no way that we could have heard anyone in their room. I did not sleep all night. I was scared to death. I must have dozed off, and when I did begin to wake up, I noticed that one of the windows was open and there was a bird in the windowsill. I knew the night was over. I didn't know when the banging had stopped, as I must have drifted off to sleep. And I don't know who opened our window, which was closed when we came in for the night. I called the girls to see how they were doing around 9 a.m. for breakfast. We ate as we waited for the taxi to arrive, which was about 30 minutes after we called for it. At breakfast, Sheila told us about something very disturbing. A strange thing happened last night. A huge chunk of the ceiling had fallen onto one of the pews. There were bits and pieces of stone everywhere. That was it. I had to get out and I told everyone they had 10 minutes to leave, but they were all laughing at me. They thought it was hysterical that I was so afraid and they weren't. Finally, I was glad to be in the taxi driving away. I remember looking back at the castle and feeling grateful that I was getting away from that terrible stench, that awful evil banging, and the bizarre strangeness of Borthwick Castle. I was quiet on the drive to Manchester. We got to the train station to go into Manchester. The agreement we had was that once we looked at our digital pictures, if one of us doesn't look good in one of the photos, we would just delete it. We were all going through our pictures. Then I came upon the picture. I said in a terrified voice, Oh my goodness. I zoomed in and I saw the little girl. I had taken a photograph from the landing of the fireplace in the Great Hall. And there, captured in motion, was a young girl, looking about four or five years old, wearing a dress just to the left of the fireplace. She had both her arms outreached and seemed innocent and... Now, wait a minute, this is very weird. On her right hand's index finger, which appears above her head, is a ring. Me and my friends wear a ring, given to each other from long ago on our index fingers. There's a couple of things about the girl that stand out. My journey has taken me through the study of brain research. I'm a strong advocate of children and their own stories and experiences. I'm drawn to kids and I'm most sensitive to kids having problems. I do a lot of consulting around the United States. When I saw the little girl, I had no fear, but rather a sense that I should go back. I felt that she was there for a reason. To me, she was plain. I believe that things happen for a reason. This picture is 100% authentic. There is something in the castle that's not good. In my life... Internally, I battle, and I really have to work at my sense of forgiveness for what others do to kids. Here, this child seems to be vulnerable. 
stranded in time at Borthwick Castle. I want to protect her. She's displaying a free spirit. I know that God protects the children. There's something that's not right in that castle. I have a sense of her. I think about her a lot. I'm now not afraid of the castle because the last thing I got was my picture of her. Another odd thing is that before she deleted what to her were simply out-of-focus digital photos, Jerry had taken several pictures of us in front of the fireplace. It was puzzling how they were blurred. The photo, despite my camera's features, also shows in some parts what appears to be a double image, yet not in all parts of the scene. Now that my friends have seen the picture of the little girl ghost, they see things differently. My friends were laughing at me the whole time we were there. I've never had a fear of unusual experiences. As a young child, we had some strange things happening in our home. We saw bizarre orbs and many paranormal things go on. That story was from Deborah Tapp in Kentucky. On Monday, October 5th, 2009, at approximately 10 p.m., my family and I heard screeching tires and then a loud boom. When we looked outside, we saw that a white pickup truck had lost control and flipped on its side. We soon discovered that the driver had been thrown from the vehicle and was pronounced dead at the scene. He had been delivering the local yellow pages and the books were scattered all over the road. Two weeks later, my friends Sarah and Shelby, my mom, and I were getting ready to attend the Thrill the World event at Kentucky Kingdom. All zombies were invited to come out and dance to Michael Jackson's Thriller at the same time as the rest of the world. Dressed in our zombie attire, we went outside, just some 20 feet from where the fatal accident had occurred, to take pictures. Ten in all. Nothing out of the ordinary happened, or so we thought. The next day, we had our pictures developed. We were shocked to find a bright white circle behind my mom in the ninth photo. It does not appear in any of the other photos. We had the picture enlarged and did some investigating to see if there was any explanation for the circle. Was there a reflection off of something? If so, why is it not in any of the other pictures? It was too low to be the moon, and again, it didn't appear in any of the other shots. Was it truly an orb? And does it have anything to do with the accident victim from two weeks earlier? A story was sent from Stacy and Cassandra Perkins in Kentucky. I know you guys often talk about finding dimes as a representation of your lost loved ones. I've been finding just dimes for years. The first time I can recall finding a dime, I was in the third grade and my parents had bought me a pair of bib overalls to wear. I wore them once and then I forgot about them. When I rediscovered them, I wore them a second time. Well, to my curiosity, shoved way down deep into the ink pen pocket, a very tight fit, was a shiny new dime. As a small child, I had very little access and no real use for money, so how it got there is a complete mystery to me. Many years transpired, and if just dimes were appearing to me, I don't recall it. 
However, about 10 or so years ago, the dimes started appearing in the most random places. Twice I've been struck with them falling out of the sky. I'm not making that up. Once, I had just finished telling my girlfriend about the dimes earlier in the week and I had planned to move a washer and a dryer into her home over the weekend. After getting the washer in place, down by her floor drain in the middle of the otherwise clean floor was one shiny brand new dime that no one had seen the whole time we were moving the appliances and clearing a spot to place them. If she was a skeptic before, seeing it happen converted her into a believer. I found them in knot holes of wood, in basket carts at the shopping center, on top of gasoline pumps, on public restroom sinks, and in a number of places. I once sat down in the basement of the church in their youth room and leaned back against the wall. Next to me was a ping pong table. It was folded in half and placed against the wall for convenience. Something caught my eye. Wedged between the wheel and the wall was, you guessed it, one shiny dime. I noticed the following patterns. They seem to arrive when I'm low on cash, which happens more frequently than I wish, dang it. Or they appear when I'm just feeling low in my spirits. I've begun saving them and I have about $45 in just dimes. When my mahogany box is filled, I think I'm going to donate it to the March of Dimes. It seems fitting. Message was from Cheryl Anderson in Kentucky. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.